You are listening to the sermons of Country Gospel Cowboy Church with Pastor Johnny Lee. Country Gospel Cowboy Church meets in a one-room schoolhouse at 12257 Highway 60 in Millican, Colorado. I'm looking for a great new year. Looking for a great year. If you did bring your sword, please open it to Psalms. Psalms 61.1. Now let's look at this together. Hear my cry, O God. Give heed to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me the inheritance of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life. His years will be many, as many generations. He will abide before God forever. Appoint loving kindness and truth that they may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may pay my vows day by day. You know, the last verse in that is what caught my attention, is pay my vows day by day. We, we need to be doing daily what we ought to do. And that's ask for God's guidance every day. And give yourself to what you vow to him. Did you know that God has never missed a single vow that he's made to us. He's never missed a promise, and he never will. Well, what does that tell you? That we ought to be the same with him. Isn't that true? We need to keep our vows that we vow to God, and uh, there's, there's so many things that we're going to do this coming year, we think, because <laughs> we've all got ideas. Exercise institutions, they'll be packed. They'll be packed for the, about the first week. <laughs> and then a lot of those that sign up, they go a couple of times. And a lot of people say, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But they, they want to lose weight more than anything else at this time of year. So your exercise places will be kind of jammed for a while. You know, I'm not an expert in physical fitness, as you can tell. And there's probably some of you out there that really is an expert in physical fitness. But I've just figured something out just by observation that in common sense, and I'm sure I won't be telling you anything that you haven't already figured out yourself. And some of you have known it for a long time, but I'm going to tell you anyway because that's how I am. The reason I'm so bent on telling you is because there's a parallel between maintaining physical well-being and spiritual well-being. And they kind of go hand in hand. You know you're spiritually better off if you're satisfied with yourself. It makes a lot of difference. If you're disciplined enough to discipline your own body, then God can deal with you in discipline in other areas. Now think about that. We need to be disciplined enough to take care of our own bodies. Because this body's not ours, guys. It was bought and paid for with a price. It's the Lord Jesus' body to use with as he pleases. And we ought to be physically fit as much as we can. 
for him to be able to use us. If we let go of our bodies, if we abuse our bodies in any way, it's saying, God, I just don't think that I want to work that hard for you. You see what I'm saying? Make ourselves physically fit so that we can be what and where God wants us, when he wants us and where he wants us. Because spiritual well-being is just as important or more important, really, than physical. You know, nobody can argue that we've made a lot of progress in the United States or in the world, really, uh, for hundreds of years. But being believing people of God, we know we've regressed in a lot of areas. We haven't grown. We've, we've fallen back in the things of God. We've not merely forgotten God. We've deliberately pronounced that we do not need God in the United States. Now, I'm not talking about any other nation because they have problems themselves. <laughs> I'm just talking about our nation. The, the bills that we pass and the things that we do, we're more or less telling God that we can do it ourselves. We want to do what we want to do. I don't care what the Bible says. That's the way we pass the, the bills now. This David, king of Israel, wrote this psalm. Being king, he had a wealth of human resources at his disposal, didn't he? Because he was king. But in his circumstances, human resources wasn't enough. No generation has ever lived on the face of the earth who've come close to matching what we have in human resources. In spite of all that we have, it's not enough. It doesn't begin to be enough. We can buy the finest in treatments, medical, otherwise, but we can't buy health. We can buy a beautiful house, but we can't buy a happy home. We can buy the finest foods, but we can't buy a good appetite. By looking at some of us, we, we have bought on a good appetite, haven't we? No comment? We can buy our way to about anywhere we want to go, but we can't buy our way to heaven. You get the idea. There's, there's a need to be heard by somebody who can help. The circumstance of this psalm is that David's son Absalom had led a revolt against David. We all remember the story. David had to run away to keep from having to kill him or being killed himself. Um, if that's not enough now, the northern kingdom was rebelling. One of Saul's sons named Ishbosheth, he'd been taken the throne there, and a couple of men who thought they were doing David a favor went and while Ishbosheth was asleep and cut his head off and brought it to David. Look what we've done for you. Well, of course, David had them killed because he. You know, nobody's going to do his killing for him, and especially without asking him who to kill because he was the king. Um, but everything seemed to be going wrong. Now, here's another thing, guys. Everything was going wrong when David wrote the 51st Psalm, too, because he found himself apart and separated from God. If you haven't read that Psalm, please read that, 51st Psalm. I can't read it without tearing up because it affects me too because it talks about sin 
and how we separate ourselves by allowing sin to separate us from our Father. And David knew that. He knew where to turn. He turned to God. He felt like it was the end of his rope and his heart was overwhelmed. Have you ever had that feeling that you're at the end of the rope? He was at that place where we all get when he was thinking, I don't know what to do and I don't think I can go on. No wonder there's so many suicides because people get to the end of the rope and they don't know where to turn. And nobody's there to tell them. So they just end it. it it's happening more in our youth than ever before. They're taking their own lives because parents aren't getting them to God. That's what's wrong with the nation. We've quit going to church. We've quit making our kids or taking our kids instead of making them go to church. We need to take them to church and make sure that they know what you know. Now, here's the thing. A lot of the parents are just lost as a ball in high weeds. So they're not going to take their kids to church. But it's up to us as their neighbors to lead them to God. That's our responsibility as a church. If they don't know God, we need to present them before God in some way, in some fashion. That's what ministry is all about. That's what evangelism is all about, is leading someone to Jesus. And we have several different ways to do it. That's why we here, our cowboy church, we have a target. Just like Dave has a target. He's after the cowboy. He's after those guys that are out there on the ranch and doing cowboy things. That's what we are. We, we are designed for the agriculture, the rancher, the cowboy, and for any others that want to attend that like the cowboy ways. You don't have to be a cowboy to be here and enjoy yourself here. You just have to like the way we do things. I know we, we, we track in manure sometimes at church. I don't hold that against anybody because this is cowboy church. And sometimes we, we come off the field and we go directly to church. We don't have time to take a shower and, and spray our A1 sauce under our arms or anything else. And we go to church. God bless you for doing that. I would love to have you dirty or clean in church as long as you're here. Um, but David knew where to turn. Now, sometimes we think we just need somebody to listen to, but we really need somebody that can help us. Sometimes listening's not enough. You have to do some action stuff. You know who can do that? God. God not only listens, he gets the job done. If you bring... If you bring anything that you're concerned about before him, of course he listens to you because you're his child. But he not only listens, he knows how to fix the problem. Don't just rest assured that he's going to hear you. Rest assured that he's going to do something about it. Walk off already knowing that he's, gonna, he's in charge and he's going to do some things about it. 
You don't have to go to your mom or your dad or your best friend to get the job done when you have God on your side. Now, I'm not saying that he don't use those people, which he probably will, but don't trust in them as much as you do God because he's number one, and he's got your back more than your own parents, more than your brothers and your sisters. God has always got your back, but you got to believe it, and you got to live it. Be obedient in that. He, don't expect much from God if you keep disobeying him every day because he's not going to hear your prayer unless you're obedient to him. It, that's scriptural. That's what he says. So be obedient to him. Surrender yourself to him. Listen to what he says and do it. Take a vow when you get up in the mornings to say, God, I don't know what you got in store for me, but I'm your guy or your gal. Whatever it is, I can do that. That's what he wants to hear from you, no matter what it is. If it's out of the boat, if you're on choppy water, just be attentive to the Holy Spirit and let him lead you. And, it, and if he leads you to a place that you're not comfortable, he's going to take care of you. And he's already prepared you for that specific thing before he tells you to do it. He gets you there. Uh, now back to my preaching. David didn't just say, let me pray more. He said, Lord, hear me when I pray and attend my prayer. There's a difference. When you beat on your chest, say, God, just hear my prayer. He hears your prayer. What did he say about the publican? He just beat on his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. Not a sinner. He was like Paul. He was the sinner. He took it upon himself to say, I'm the worst sinner that there is. And I think we all need to feel that way. When we look at our own sin, we think, how could anybody be any worse than I am? And see, as, as bad as you were, God reached down and saved you. He pulled you out of that pit. And he said, you're worth something. And he proved it by sending Jesus to take all your sins away from you. Um, the Bible tells us that if we want God to answer our prayers, there's some things that we have to have in place in our lives. Now listen to this. And you can write these down. Feel free to write if you want to write. I feel like Charles Stanley sometimes just telling you something and letting you write it down. 50, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says this. Sin must be forsaken. If you want God to answer your prayer, sin must be forsaken. In James 1, 6 and 7, God's word must be believed. You can't ask him something if you don't really believe he can do it. Why would you ask him? In John 14, 6, Christ must be received. Did you know that lost people, God never hears their prayer unless they pray one prayer first, and that's to ask Jesus into their heart. Surrender themselves to him because he's not going to hear you unless you're one of his kids. That's scriptural. The only time he hears a lost person is if they ask him to save them. They seek salvation, and they want Jesus and you know who's responsible for that, don't you? The Holy Spirit. 
So you don't just get up one morning and say, well, I feel kind of lost. I feel kind of lost. I think I'll be saved today. How many of you have ever had that experience? <laughs> it don't happen that way. But when the Holy Spirit gets the word to you and you start listening to the Holy Spirit pulling on your heart, saying, man, I need that. I can't live without that. That's when you surrender yourself to him. And guys, he hears every prayer after that. Every prayer. Did you know that he's making a list of all your prayers? It tells you in Revelation that all the prayers were opened up. Every prayer you've ever prayed since you were a child of God, God has in store. He's stored those. So just think about that when you pray. Just say, this is 5,486. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. But when David started asking God for what he needed, here's what he thought about. And here's what he, what he puts in the psalm. He started thinking about what God's done for him in the past. Now, guys, when you start thinking about what God has done for you already, it makes it easier to pray for what's in the future, doesn't it? Because you know that he's able to do all that you've needed. Not commanded, but asked for and needed. Because he tells us he will meet every need of his people. Every need. And the beauty part about God is, is he meets most of our wants, doesn't he? Doesn't he? That's a, doesn't he is a Oaky word. Okay. Um, God has protected us in more ways than we're aware of. Now, I want you to think about this. There's been occasions where Garlene and I have been going on a trip or something, and there's an accident that happened right there in front of us. And we've had to turn around and go back for something that we forgot at the house. And God has intervened in our care. I can tell you more times, there's several times that we've been in that very situation. Uh, we've just missed it by that much because of something that happened that God delayed us from that. But God takes care of his people. He takes care of us. Um... We've heard of several that's been spared in the Oklahoma City Murrow building bombing. We heard all kinds of stories. You guys would not believe them. I guess you would because God is miraculous and he works miracles. But there's stories about angels that were in the building that people have seen. Uh, there's stories about people on elevators that uh, talk to people into getting off that nobody had even saw before or after that person. It's just, let me tell you a story that my son-in-law did, had, and he, I can verify this because there was two or three people that saw this accident. He was in New Orleans, and he was crossing one of the, well, everything's underwater in New Orleans, you know. When you go over a bridge, there's water everywhere. But he was on the ramp, and he got on, the highway and in right in front of him was a slow truck when he was there and he gunned it to go around him and there was a woman that had parked her car 
in the fast lane. And there wasn't nothing he could do. So he veered over and he sideswiped her and went over the, and his car was off the bridge just like this, kind of dangling, you know. And it messed, he broke his knee or something, wasn't it, babe? Lay ankle, yeah. And uh, so after that wreck, when people were around him and the officers were there taking the information, there was people that says, there was somebody in the car sitting next to you. He said, no, I was in the car by myself. He said, no, I saw two people in that car. It kind of makes your hair raise up, doesn't it? Because there was an angel with him. Everybody saw it outside the car. But he was protecting him. Now, I know, I've heard stories like this before. You cannot tell me that we don't have angels, God's helpers. That is just as true as we have a demon assigned to each of us by Satan. And you always see the picture where you got a demon on this shoulder and an angel on the shoulder. Well, that's more truth in it than just a comic book, you know, narration. Because you're going to listen to one or the other. Whether you listen to the flesh, yourself, something that Satan has thrown a dart at you with, or the Holy Spirit of God. You're going to listen to one of those two. David, he thought about how faithful God had been in his promises. And he's probably thinking about the promises that God made about how he would establish and sustain his kingdom. But there's a lot of things we can think about when we think about the promises of God does. Now let me ask you something, church. What do you think about God's promises for this church? What do you think about that? Do you believe this, this church will ever fold? Give me your honest opinion. What do you think? I don't, I don't agree with anybody that says this church is going to fold. And the reason I say that is because I remember what God said to me four years ago. This is the church that we came from Oklahoma to help start. Jesus starts the church. Jesus runs the church. We just allow ourselves to be used. I've got, a, I've got a message coming up. You don't want to miss it. And it's entitled, It's Not About Me. It's not about me. There's nothing I've done that would build this church except through Christ. Nothing. Because he's the one that brought me here. He's the one that brought Darlena here. He's the one that brought you here. And I know you're here for a purpose. And that's to see the kingdom of God grow in this area. That's what we're about, guys. Nothing else. It's not about us. It's about God. And how we can glorify God. How we can exalt Christ in this area. You know, I don't understand people. I love this church. I don't understand people that come here and leave. What's not to love about us? <laughs> That's right. Okay. David said this. I'm going to abide in your tabernacle forever. I love that. The tabernacle was a place of worship. That's where he wanted to be. 
He wanted to be in the church forever. And, and guys, when we take it from here, we're going to be in the kingdom, which is a big church. It's a big church because it holds all of God's people. And you know that we will not argue over Scripture when we get there or the interpretation of Scripture. We're all going to be together. And if we have a question, we'll take it to Jesus and let him figure it out. Uh, the thing about church is church don't save you. It just leads you to the one who does. It leads you to him that does save you. It, church is like a road map. It points the way. It's a support group providing encouragement. Isn't that true, Dave? If we don't, if we don't encourage one another, you guys might as well stay home. Because we're here to encourage one another to worship the Most High God and to see that others are worshiping too. A Christian not faithfully involved in church is like a ball player not on a team or a banjo picker not in the band. Same thing. David said, I will trust in the shelter of your wings, Lord. In other words, you will be my security. You're my security blanket. How many of you had kids that carried about a blanket? Carried a blanket or either sucked on a corner of one or whatever, you know? But they needed a security blanket. Well, guys, we're not any different. Even though we're adults, we still have to have that security of the knowledge of security in our heads. And we can only get that through the word. David had the finest of the fine when it came to earthly things. But he was smart enough to know that those things didn't give him security. Even now, he left them and was out in the wilderness. And David didn't say, I'm going to take a vow of poverty. But he did say, I'm going to put it in the trust of my God, no matter what. Isn't that great? He didn't care how much he had. He just wanted to know that he had God, and God was leading the way for him. The book of James says that we don't know what a day will bring forth. But we do know that God holds tomorrow. He holds tomorrow. And we know that he can do all things. And here's another thing. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now, guys, when he says we can do all things through Christ... That's not what we want. That's what he wants. We can do all the things that he calls us to do through Christ who strengthens us. Um, he can break the power of the strongest sin. Addictions. Weight. <laughs> well, I'm hitting some stuff now. He can break the power of all that stuff. All the things that we're held on with. He can, break, he can change the heart, uh, cause the mouth to speak wholesome words, and make the future sure if we just let him. We look around the beautiful world and know that God is good. All you have to do is look to the west and, and know that God is great. We see his goodness most in the gospel of salvation. He takes the vilest sinner and cleans him up and puts him back on the road, the right road. 
David didn't do everything right. As a matter of fact, he did some things real wrong. But when he looked to God in true repentance, and you can see David's heart if you just read some of the Psalms. You can see his heart. He did it. He repented. And he found out just how good God really was. And a lot of years after David, a man who had become a Christian by the name of Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Listen to this. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. If you consider yourself as faithful as Paul, look where his background came from. He had God's people killed, brought them before the, the court, and they sentenced them. No wonder he felt like he did. He said, I'm the chief sinner because I was directly against God. Even though he thought he was right and he thought he was doing what God wanted him to do, he found himself to be on the wrong side of the track as far as God goes. And many years after that, here we are today. We've turned our calendar over to a brand new year. And God is just as good now as he ever was. Aren't you glad of that? In him, there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. He changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you can go from the Old Testament... And people say, well, God's different in the Old Testament. No, he's not. He's the same just God and loving God in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. Because if you go over to Revelations and see some of the stuff that he has to deal with, it makes the Old Testament look like a comic book. I'm telling you the truth. Because in Revelations, after they've died and stand before the, the white throne, of judgment and Jesus will be there judging there is no mercy there is no more mercy mercy is run out grace is run out he does everything that he can in a person's life before they take their last breath to get them to the kingdom he does he does everything that he possibly can and when we refuse and we refuse and we refuse his grace and mercy, then he says, okay, have it your own way. Because he's not going to force you into heaven if you don't want to go. Isn't that sad? But that's what God does. He lets you have your own self-being. You make your own decisions. He's not going to make it for you. He will persuade you with all he can to make the right decision. But if you're so stubborn that you refuse salvation and refuse his son, he finally lets you have your own way forever lost and gone. With, you see, we all have a, a need for the rock that is higher than us, and that rock is Christ. We all have that need. If you agree with me, let's stand. All sermons from Country Gospel Cowboy Church are available to listen and download at countrygospelcowboychurch.org or on iTunes for Apple devices, Podcast Republic for Android and Kindle devices, and SoundCloud. We would love to have you join to worship. Service begins at 10 a.m. on Sunday or join us for Bible study at 6.30 on Wednesday.